Good morning, good morning, Word of Truth Ministry family. God bless you, God bless you. We made it through another week. We're about uh, three weeks out, a little less than three weeks out for, our, actually two weeks and some change for our election. I hope you guys are staying encouraged. God, I hope you guys are voting. Like we always do here at the Word of Truth Ministry, we're going to talk about our confession of faith. We never go without talking about what we kind of believe in or what we actually believe in. See, we believe in the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelations. We do not compromise God's word at all. We come from Revelations 22 and 19. It says, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. And from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So yet the word of truth ministry, we believe that the Bible, it builds faith, which empowers our purpose. Now, if you have a Bible today or whatever you use to look up the word, please, please, please uh, don't trust me. Um, don't trust any man as far as that's concerned. Uh, but what I want you to do is make sure that you can read it for yourself. Okay, so if you have your Bibles today, please take them out and uh, just do this confession of faith as we go through this. This is our Bible. We believe. Every word from Genesis to Revelation. We live by it. We confess it. We trust it. We're led by it. And we stand on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go before the Lord in a quick prayer before we get into this message this morning. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we give everything we have to you. We commit our bodies, our minds, our souls, every piece, every energy, everything from us, Lord God, we give to you. We trust it in your hands, Lord, that you may lead us and guide us and direct us. Today, Lord God, let this word fall on great ground, a fertile ground, Lord God, that it may grow inside of them. Let them receive it in the way you intend for them to receive it, Lord God, that they may be better Christians each and every day. We give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was going through this, the name of this message today, I was like, God, I had to change it this morning. I actually changed the name of my message. It is fully committed, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Fully committed, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. See, when I start thinking about jobs that are 24-7, I realize that most of them have an oath of some type or swearing-in statement of commitment. So I start going through and I start looking for jobs or employment that would actually constitute this. So, for example, doctors, for the most part, are 24-7. Doctors take uh, an oath called the Hippocratical Oath. That oath states that the Hippocratical Oath is a sworn agreement made by physicians when they become doctors. It includes a promise to share knowledge to help, Ill, help the ill and not cause harm and to never give a deadly drug or help another to use one. They are always doctors and always on. They will always be doctors. If they don't work home, whatever, they're always doctors. Most doctors, are, I don't know any doctor that actually clocks in. Most of them are salary employees. They have a moral obligation to help someone in medical distress. And because of their skill set, they're even covered by law when they treat somebody or help somebody outside of the hospital. They have the tort law and the Good Samaritan laws. Doctors are 24-7. No matter where they go, no matter what they do, they're still doctors. And if they see somebody in distress, they see somebody hurting, they see somebody in pain, and they can lend a hand to assist them, they will. Now, who else is 24-7? Well, I like to think about this because, you know, I did 27 and a half years in the military. You know, my military brothers, they're 24-7. I don't care if you're enlisted, an officer, all military members are 24-7. And they have an oath. We have two different oaths. You have an oath for officers and an oath for enlistment. Since I was enlisted, I'm going to talk about the enlisted oath. If I was an officer, I might talk about both, but I'm not. So anyway, the oath of enlistment, it says for enlisted person, it says, I, the person says their name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. 
and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to regulation and uniform code of military justice. So help me God. See, service members are on call 24-7. I had never, in the 27 and a half years I was in the military, I never clocked in. Listen, one thing about service members, they can be deployed in a moment's notice. I remember about a year before I retired, we had a call from, uh, from headquarters saying that we needed to deploy a certain amount of airplanes to a certain part of the world. And I think they gave us about 24 to 36 hours to get these planes out. Man, I had an amazing boss. And this boss of mine, uh, he decided to do something. He said, you know what? I'm going to do this process right now. He had already set process and procedures in place just in case we had a deployment of this such. So he was prepared. What I know is after he got through activating people, sending people home and doing the things that need to be done, within 12 hours, we had our first plane leaving the country to go help across the waters. It was amazing that the military didn't matter. Those people that were at home, that had plans, that had vacations, they put all that on hold because they're 24-7. So they can deploy in a moment's hour, a moment of time. Even when they go home on vacation, they're still in the military. I remember a story some years ago. Uh, I was stationed, I think, in Altus, Oklahoma. They had these two young men. They were both from Chicago. They met each other at the base and decided to go home on vacation together. But somewhere or another in that transition, they forgot that they were in the military because when they went home, they decided to do some illegal drugs. The bad thing is one of them came back and talked about it. And then the military went through and looked and talked to their families back at home and their friends to see if they could prove it. They couldn't necessarily find the information because, you know, no one was going to talk to them. But when they came back and talked to the individuals, they admitted it. And when they admitted it, the military discharged them because they violated the oath that they had enlisted in. And because of that, they were 24-7. See, the military doesn't matter whether they're on vacation, doesn't matter if they're on leave. They are still 24-7 every day. During holidays, if something happens around the world, military can be recalled. Uh, on holidays, people think that the military is off. But if you go to the military base, you'll see somebody at the front gate. We have military members that are living in mountains and in foreign countries. They're living in hostile communities around the world. and They're stationed overseas because they are 24-7. They will put their lives on the line for others, the other members of their teams, the other service members that they serve with. And they put their lives in danger for this country. Another person that should be 24-7 is the president of the United States. He should be 24-7. He takes an oath. Of the presidency, it says, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of the president of the United States and I will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. It says, No matter what is happening in the world, if it's important and the president is asleep, they wake him up because he's 24 7. The president doesn't even clock in to work. The funny thing is, he lives in his place of employment. Everywhere he goes, even on vacation, he must have access to information and data. He must have communication equipment so he can talk and commune just in case something happens. If he says something or does something, even outside the office of presidency, it can affect the entire world because he's always on 24-7. The question is, are we as Christians... Are we fully committed 24-7, seven days a week? See, we're going to come from Hebrews 13, 7 and 8. It says this. Appreciate your pastor leaders who gave you the word of God. Hebrews 13, 7 and 8. Take a good look at the way they live 
and let their faithfulness instruct you, as well as their truthfulness, there should be a consistency that runs through us all. For Jesus doesn't change yesterday, today, tomorrow. He's always and totally himself. See, earthly leaders of the church come and they go. They live and they die. However, Jesus lives forever, unchanged and unaffected by morality or anything else that would hinder him from providing leadership, counsel, encouragement, strength, and whatever else might be needed by his people. In fact, the author may be reflecting back on the quotation from Psalms 102.27, where the word says, you remain the same and your years will never end. It's applied to Jesus, the eternal son of God. One theologian points out that yesterday Jesus suffered and died, and today he represents Christians as their high priest, and forever he lives to intercede on behalf of the believer. See, Jesus Christ is empathetic in his cause. The word uh, order in Greek is striking. Jesus Christ yesterday and today the same, and until the ages forever. There is certainly a temporal sense expressed here, accumulating accumulating in an external or eternal perspective along the lines in the past in the present and in the future jesus christ is eternally unchanged right up to the present time from the perspective of the author and will be eternally so in the future this verse implies at least three three key truths the divinity of christ christ is unchangeable and christ consistently consistent faithfulness to his people are we faithful to christ can God depend on us 24 hours a day, seven days a week to do and act different based on our aspirations or experiences? Because what happens is as Christians, we sometimes get caught up in our aspirations and we get caught up in the situation that we live in. But even in that, if you're 24-7, it should not make a difference. Let me tell you the story. And we've talked about this story before, but I'm only going to really, I'm going to kind of give you a brief end of the story, but I'm going to talk about one verse in the story, which is very interesting. If you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel 6, scriptures of 1 through 10, and I'm not going to talk about them in the sense of read them all. I'm just going to kind of give you a, a synopsis or a cliff note of what actually happened. You go back and read it for yourself. In Daniel 6, 1 through 10, you see the story of Daniel, and I think they were, um, at the time, the king decided to put people over um, people over the provinces and, and kingdom in order to take care of them. So what he did is he appointed 12 princesses, prince over the 120 provinces. And then over them, he put uh, three presidents. And it talks about uh, these three presidents and Daniel found favor. And his intention was to make Daniel the head president over all of them. And I think they kind of felt a little jealous or uh, misguided in, in their feeling towards Daniel. So what they first started to do is they start to uh, find out what was what they could do to discredit him. Uh, and the reason for this is because Daniel had distinguished himself among the others as exceptionally uh, qualified. And he had an attitude and ability that was just beyond uh, beyond theirs. So these haters came to destroy him. Uh, they were so jealous of Daniel that they sought to discredit everything that he was doing. So they, they started to watch him. And a lot of times in the Christian community, when you start to get a little big sometime or you start to do something, people start to watch you. The thing about it is if you're doing the will of God, it will never be exposed. But if you're not doing the will of God, God's going to expose you eventually. So it goes on to say what they did is they looked at him. They could not find anything wrong with his ethical work standard. The things he did, he committed himself to it 24-7. He was honorable in all the things he did. He was hardworking and he was God-fearing. But that wasn't enough because what they did is they decided, they know what? The one thing that we know about Daniel is Daniel always gives praise and honor to his God. So they came up with this um, 
this oath or whatever that they wanted the king to declare. And that if he did that, that within the next 30 days or so, the only one you can ask or petition would be him. You could petition any other God or ask any other person for anything. You had to go to the king. The thing about it, if you read the scriptures, you'll realize that Daniel was aware of this petition going forward. See, what they didn't understand was they were doing this to see how much God Daniel loved God. And uh, what they didn't understand was two things. They didn't understand Daniel's ex uh, aspirations. See, if you understood Daniel's aspiration, it would have made no difference what they did. But they didn't know uh, whether or not his, his meaning was his position he held was more important than his relationship with God. They didn't understand that just because he had power, would he sacrifice the power he had to worship God or would he take the power and, and, and let God fall by the wayside? The other thing was they didn't understand was his life more important than his relationship with God? Because by doing this, was he going to stop praising God and save his life or was he going to praise God and lose his life? We'll go to Daniel 6 and 10. I love this scripture. It talks about when Daniel learned that the decree had been signed and posted. He continued to pray just, he has, just as he had done always. His house had windows in the upstairs that opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he knelt there in prayer, thanking and praising his God. See, Daniel was fully committed and a fully committed believer. He had no divided loyalties. He served only God and God alone. Regardless of the penalty of death, the loss of fame, prestige, wealth, he was going to serve the Lord. He had absolutely no conflicting sources of loyalty. He served God. In our lives today, based on our situations, sometimes we're sitting at jobs and people will have us to compromise ourselves for promotion. The question is, are you going to be a 24 hour, 24 seven Christian? Or are you going to compromise for the promotion? In the church, there's so many pastors out there compromising themselves for the almighty dollar. Something that is temporal. When our reward is the souls of those people that commit themselves to Christ. We got to figure out who. We serve. I told a message not too long ago saying, who are you with? I like that statement when we had football games or you had it somewhere and they say, who are you with? You should know who you're serving. Matthew 6 and 24. Matthew 6 and 24 says, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Yea, cannot serve, ye cannot serve God and mammon. Money is more literally mammon, referring to all of a person's material resources. Of course, many people do try to cherish both God and mammon, but ultimately only one will be chosen. The other will be hated, even if it's only by neglect. Love and hate and systematic thoughts are often roughly equal to choose and not choose. Many prospective observers have sensed that the greatest danger to Western Christianity is not, as sometimes alleged, which are the prevailing ideologies of Marxism or Islam or a New Age movement or humanism, but rather the all-pervasive materialism of the affluent culture that we live in. See, we try so hard to create a heaven on earth. How many times have you heard people say, I want to create a heaven on earth. I want everything that the world offers, but I also want God. You cannot serve both. You have to get your commitment to God. If God bless you with the other stuff, that's all right. But if your desire is, I'm going to get all of this and then I'm going to include God, your order, you're out of order. 
and goes on to say, Jesus proclaimed that unless we are willing to serve him wholeheartedly in every area of our life, but particularly with our material resources, we cannot claim to be serving him at all. Understanding our current wants, desires, and situations should never dictate our lives. However, our faith should dictate our situation, wants, and desires towards God. This is what this means. See, we don't change because of our situation. Our situation changes because of our faith in God. We got to make sure that our lives, situation, does not change by the things that you have aspirations to reach. You must constantly be seeking the face of God. And if you seek the face of God, you'll fall within the will of God and you'll be led by God. And being led by God, which means the things that you have through that being led by God are the things that God has ordained for your life. There are many things in our life that we will never obtain because it is not part of God's ordination for us. It's not part of his will for us. But there's sometimes people can obtain some things that's not within God's will. And because it's not within God's will, they start to neglect God because they have made that other thing a God in their own lives. One thing people use all the time is money. Sometimes they use cars, they use family, they use people, but nothing should be put before God. God has to be number one. All I'm asking you today is are you fully committed 24 hours a day, seven days the week to love the Lord, act like you love the Lord, walk this life and be the God, the Christian that God has called you to be. See, we can't love the world. We can't live in the world in the sense of I'm going to partake of all the things that the world do and then I'm going to do some of the things that Christians do and I'm going to mix the two together and think that they're going to work out for our good. Turn to 1 John, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the father. Practically everything that goes on in the world wants their own way. Wants everything for yourselves. Wanting to appear important. Has nothing to do with the father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all is wanting, wanting, wanting is on his way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. See, John began this verse by issuing the commandment that the believer is not to love the world or anything in the world. The word agapio, using this context to describe both the love of the world and the love of the Father, could carry a different meaning in each usage. It is argued that when the word is used in the Christianity sense, it should be translated love. But then if it is used in a negative way, it should be translated take a fancy to or place a higher value on. See, the difference in these uses is not the emotion that is felt by the individual, but the application of that emotion, attraction in a positive or negative manner. When people love the world, they are implying, misplying this human emotion in a way that will lead them to the demise. And in a sense, love is neutral. The object of one's love or affection is decisive. One must be careful that this love is going in the right direction and that it acts in a manner consistent with Christian confession. John charges us to love neither the world in general nor the things of the world in particular. The command is comprehensive. Our allegiance must not be divided. Our affections must be focused and specific. See, the current application of love springs from the fact that the believer has a singular loyalty and commitment to the Father. This verse states clearly that one cannot love the world and love God at the same time. 
The absolute nature of the statement is striking and compels careful and serious reflection. The stakes are high because the Father's kingdom is at war with the kingdom of the world. And the two will never coexist peacefully. To pledge allegiance to one side is to declare opposition to the other. The question is, are you fully committed 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Are you fully committed and sold out to God? Or are your aspirations driving your vision? See, our visions here at the Word of Truth Ministry is to make sure that we get the word out to everybody. We know that the word builds faith within powers our purpose. It is never, ever going to be about money. And if it is, I have identified a board of members. If you ever start to hear me preaching about the importance of money, don't get me wrong. Churches need money to function. But if it's always money, 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 we have lost our perspective. It shouldn't always be hell, hell, hell either. It should not always be heaven, heaven, heaven. It has to be a nice balance of the word in order for people to grow the way God intends us to grow. Here at this ministry, we will give you a balance of God's word. We're going to tell you the truth, even if it hurts. You will never better listen to me if you cannot take correction from me. If I'm giving you something that is affecting you in some kind of way, if it's making you feel in some kind of way, then correct that thing and seek the face of God. If it doesn't bother you, then tell people and encourage people that God can do it for you. He can do it for them. But we have to be consistent. We have to be purpose and we have to be specific in what we do. We have to serve God and understand when we serve God, we're serving him for a particular reason. It's not about me just going to heaven. It's about me going to heaven and how many people can go along with me because I'm going to tell people about the goodness of Christ. The whole thing about the word of truth ministry, we can say we were going to do something that people may say a little funny is we want to make sure that we can have a log of how many people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what we want to stand on. We want to stand on people coming to God to know him and not just to know him, but to grow them to the point that they can know God and tell others about him. That is our purpose. It's not money. It's not prestige. It's not aspirations to do anything but to teach and preach and grow people in Christ question is, are you fully committed? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Turn in your word to Romans 8, 5 and 8. Romans 8, 5 and 8. It says, those who let their sinful old selves tell them what to do live under the power of their sinful old selves. But those who let the Holy Spirit tell them what they are to do under his power. If your sinful old self is the boss over your mind, it leads to death. But if the Holy Spirit is the boss over your mind, it leads to life and peace. See, the mind that thinks only the way to peace, to please the sinful old man is fighting against the mind, the God. Since the mind that is thinking only of a way to please the sinful old self is fighting against God. It is not able to obey God's law and it never can. Those who do what their sinful old selves want to do cannot please Jesus, cannot please the Lord. See, there are two distinct and contrasting ways of living. One is to follow the dictation of one's lower nature. That's what I just want to do naturally. Those who choose to live according to their sinful nature set their minds and hearts on what the nature desires. You can look at that easily. See the things that you desire and understand why you desire them. Are those things lined up with God or all those things lined up with the world? Later, I need you to think about this in the aspect of evaluating your own self.
See, their thoughts are shaped by their lower nature. People's decisions about how they intend to live determine how they think about things. Moral choices proceed and determine intellectual orientation. People do not think themselves into the way they act, but act themselves into the way they think. Ethical decisions, more often than misguided reason, lies at the heart of error. As the elder here always says, it is a heart condition and you must check your heart. Paul continued the contrast by pointing out the consequences that necessarily follow each way of thinking. The carnal mind leads to death. One theologian writes to allow uh, the things of the world completely to dominate life is self-extinction. It is a spiritual suicide. On the other hand, the spirit-controlled mind leads to life and peace in Jesus Christ. See, the approach to life that is controlled by the lower nature is hostile against God. It is constantly warring against God. The old nature is antagonic to all that God is and stands for. It refuses to submit itself to the law of God. In fact, it can't even do it. Have you ever, do you remember uh, when you weren't, un, when you're saved, if you're not saved, if you were saved, when you were unsaved, do you remember how if you wanted to do good, you just couldn't? I mean, sometimes you could do good, but there are things that you knew you shouldn't have done. Sometimes people would wake up in situations that they didn't really want to wake up in, but they just let their flesh drive them. And even as saved people, if you don't get the flesh under control, your flesh will still drive you in directions that is opposite of God. Realize the enemy is not going to take you in the right direction that points you towards heaven. He's not going to take you in a direction that points you towards soul saving. He's not going to point you in the right direction, which means divinely separated and divinely reading the word of God. The enemy is going to take you in things that are going to make you feel good about being you. That's going to make you naturally feel good. I mean, physically feel good. Those things that mentally make you feel good at the moment. Those temporal things that when you die have nothing to affect your life after this. And I'm trying to tell you now, if you decide to live the life of those as a Christian, decide to kind of play the field, what you're doing is spiritual suicide, spiritual destruction. Pick today whom you will serve. No wonder our best intention fails when we try to reform the old nature or reconcile it with the indwelling spirit of God. The enmity between the sinful mind and the spirit is irreconcilable. The simple truth is that individuals who are controlled by their lower nature cannot and will not ever please God. How can they, since they are in bondage to the power that is fundamentally opposition to the nature and the will of our Savior, Jesus Christ? So why is this so important that we become new creatures in Christ? Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new because we have to change our minds and we have to change our heart. We become new in Christ when we accept him, when we take our oath. Verse James, James uh, four and four, James four and four. It says, ye are uh, as wives and husbands who are not faithful in marriage and do sex sins. Let me finish. Do you not know that to love the sinful things of the world and to be a friend to them is to be against God? Yes, I say again, if you are a friend of the world, you are against God. See, following the context, this charge harkens back to the standard image of commitment relationship between God and his people from the Old Testament. Now, if you go back and read Hosea, 
you'll understand that it talked about the nation was being adulterous and it being adulterous, not talking about a sexual sin, about the fact that they had, uh, they had idolatry and they were doing everything but serving God. And God looked at that as adultery. In this scripture, it is talking about the same thing. See, Israel was the wife of the Lord and he considered her idolatry as adultery. Thus, spiritual adultery is synonymous with being an enemy of God. Instead of being faithfully wedded, James Hears had, by their evil ways, turned their back on God and were having an affair with the world. There are many of us that call ourselves Christians that are having affairs with the world. Right now, my whole job, my whole thing is I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to hustle my way through it. I'm trying to put as much money in the bank. I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. And at the end of the day, I don't care about anybody else. I just need to get this money. If you do that, you may get the money, but you might lose Christ. What we have to do is balance it out. We want to be prosperous naturally, physically, emotionally, mentally, but we have to balance it out. Cannot all be based off of my desire for money. The Bible says, if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things should be added unto you. The thing is, what we don't understand is the reason we all don't win the lottery. It's not that we just ain't lucky. It's the fact that if you had the lottery, you wouldn't serve the Lord. The reason a lot of us ain't getting the things that we so-called want and driving upside this, 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 this wall we're trying to get to to get to the top is if some of us got to the top too fast and don't understand suffering, we wouldn't appreciate being at the top. I was watching that movie this week and a lady said something to this effect that if she had the preference of being totally happy or in total pain, she chose total pain. And the reason behind that was, she says, because in total happiness, sometimes we lose sight of God. But in pain, God is always forefront in our minds. We got to make sure not that we have to walk through this life and suffer, but God said that we may suffer. But the fact is, sometimes you need to have that thorn in your side like Paul that constantly reminds you of why you do what you do. I'm not doing this for my own financial gain. If that was the case, then I would be at one of my restaurants right now. I'm not doing this because I want the fame of it. If that was the case, then I would do this in a different platform. I'm doing this because I just think that you want to hear the word of God and that the word of God that he has given me will help you grow as a Christian and help you grow other Christians to become Christians. We have a point and a purpose to the things that we're doing. See, the, peer, the, the terrible misdirection of their friendship, which should have been with God, proves Again, how self-deceived these people are that do this. The status of unbelievers is enmity towards God and friendship with the world. That's the common. That's understood. And this worldly friendship is sometimes Christians can flirt with it. Sometimes we want to be in and sometimes we want to be out. I remember growing up in the church where we used to know those choir members would come in in the morning and they would sing in the choir and they would reek of liquor and everything else. Because they went to the club the night before. And you could tell because the anointing just really wasn't on the choir. Because they were playing with God and playing with the world. 
But you can tell also in those other ministries when the choir came on Sunday and they had made a contact with God and they had been in relationship with God throughout the week. And when they came in, they, they committed themselves to singing praise to God and trying to usher it in for everybody else. And they wouldn't sing it to me. They were singing to God. They weren't trying to impress me. They weren't trying to make me happy. They were singing to God because God had done something in their lives. They weren't playing with Christ. There's so many times you walk into churches and they're dead because half of them in there are playing with Christ. Stop playing and do what God has called us to do. Let's be faithful and committed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so we can win the loss to Christ. Let's not keep playing and flirting with the world. James was not saying conclusively that his addresses were completed, completely the friends of the world, rather than friends of God. Rather, they were adulterous, unfaithful lovers. James was speaking generally but his hearers were dangerously close to this negative condition. Not one of familiarity with the world or active participation in it, but rather a personal investment in it and chief concerns placed in his way of life that do not follow the standards established by God for his people. See, are we part-time Christians? Because I told you earlier some of the responsibilities of those uh, and how they're on call. But I need you to ask yourself, are you a part-time Christian and are you a full-time Christian or are you a Christian on call 24-7? Driven, are you driven by ambitions? Are you driven by wealth and fame and desires? What drives you? What is your motivation? When you wake up in the morning, is what you think about the most important thing of the day for you? See, for me, what I think about in the morning is when I wake up, the first thing I do, I thank God for waking up. Because if I woke up, I know there's still work for me to get done. I know God has purpose for my life because I'm put here for a specific purpose. So I give God the praise throughout the day. I constantly pray to God. I constantly keep God on my mind so I can stay focused. When things come in my mind I know are not right, I seek the things inside of me that God has put in me to strengthen me, that he raises up a standard in me, that it protects me from the things that want to come into my mind to dilute me or to change me or to make me not right with God. You only can do that if you're putting stuff in. You have to make deposits of God's word into your life. This is what holds us. Otherwise, if you just put a little deposit in and you keep doing the things you're doing, you're part-time. If you put a lot of deposits in, but you kind of keep doing some of the things, you might be full-time. But if you always putting deposits in, I call you, you're 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It says, are we 24 hours, seven days a week Christians? With no divided loyalties, knowing that if we honor God in everything that we do, we stay faithful to him by seeking his face, his knowledge, his relationship. See, we can leave this earth with the greatest gift ever given to mankind, Jesus Christ for eternity. It is so important for us to get this thing right now, not later. Let's not play this game because there's no promise for tomorrow. I love that song by the whinings. A lot of us think, you know, I'll get this thing right tomorrow. Well, you don't have a promise to make tomorrow. You need to get this thing right today. See, we never want to do something that can cause someone else to fall because we want to take a personal moment for ourselves. We can't take personal moments. 
I can't be around cussing and acting a fool because I feel like it or you cut me off in traffic. If I do that and someone hears me, I may cause them to backslide. I don't get a personal moment. You as a Christian don't get a personal moment. Hey, forgive me because this thing other. We know that we all sin. The Bible tells us that. We've quoted it a million times. We all have sinned and all fall short of the glory. However, if that is who you are, you're one of those people that say, you know, for those the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Then there is a difference between the two. What I'm saying is this. Yes, you make a mistake. If you do, please apologize. Say it's outside your character and let them know it to be outside your character. But you cannot do it in the setting of a pastor or a Christian or a person that keep confessing that they know God. And in the other hand, one is cursing out your mouth and one is love out your mouth. The two just don't meet. One is fornication out your, out your body and the other one is coming to church. The two just don't meet. You have to make sure that what you do corresponds and lines up with the word of God. And if you don't know it, read the word for yourself. Don't trust me. Don't sit up here and say I'm being judgmental. I'm just reading the word of God. It's time for us to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just like those that hold or held the office of doctors or are doctors and just like our military service members that are serving around the world or the president we should have and his attitude they should have. Just like those people, Christianity itself is a 24-7 walk. See, we take an oath, and that oath is the entire Bible. The Bible, God says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, you'll never know those commandments unless you study the word. Second Timothy talked about study to show thyself approved, the work may need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It is our responsibility to get into God's word, to understand what he is saying to us so we can fulfill the purpose that God has put us here to fulfill. See. We confess and believe in Jesus Christ and walk by faith. See, we never clock in. We're always on the clock. We can be called at any time, day or night, to intercede in prayer and go and visit someone in need. Even on vacation, we must represent Christ in our walk, our talk, and our action. I can't say I'm going to do a boys trip with my boys as a pastor or a Christian and me and my boys go out and get strippers and all this other nonsense because we're away from the church. So since we're away from the church, we don't have to act like we Christians. I don't care where we go. I don't care what we do. Our responsibility is to live the word of God because I'm not trying to just get the people here saved. I'm trying to get the people saved wherever I go. See, uh, what we say and do affects others. Even when we're away from the church, as a Christian, I don't get to just say anything stupid or anything stupid in the sense of contrary or worldly or anything that does not represent Christ. If I do that, it can have an adverse effect on the purpose that's hearing it. I'm out there saying and doing whatever. And then you see me on Facebook or on our website or you see me at a church and you looking at me saying, how is that possible? And that's the question you should be asking because I am fully committed. You should be fully committed. And us that are, we that are fully committed, it is our job to fully help those that don't know Christ to get to where we are. See, Christians around the world have and still are putting their lives on the line for other Christians, just like the military. And many Christians are living in the mountains, they're living in jungles, cities. 
in hostile locations around the world confessing Christ because they have taken an oath. And that oath is they're going to live by faith. They're going to study the word of God and they're going to walk this thing out according to the will of God. See, we are fully committed if you call yourself a Christian because Christian means Christ-like. I'm not talking about those people that just go to church on Sunday. I'm not talking about those people that go to church because mom and dad didn't make them go to church. I'm talking about people that have a personal relationship with God, that have a heartfelt change relationship with God, that are being spirit led by God. See, because if you're not being spirit led by God, you're going to do whatever you decide that you want to do. It is our responsibility, moral, spiritual, godly responsibility to live a life that God has called us to live and to walk this thing out the way God has called us to walk this thing out. See, we are fully committed. It says this right. Most of us should not have any divided loyalties because of our aspirations to be rich and famous. I have no desire to be rich and famous. That is the least I want. If I could be the most unknown pastor, but everybody can hear my words, they may never see my face. And in hearing my words, God can speak to them and they can get Jesus Christ. I have already won. And my rewards on the other side that won't be temporal, that will be everlasting, will be that crown of salvation that I get when I go see Jesus Christ. That's what I want. I want to get there. And God says, son, well done, my good and faithful servant. And not just because you were just saved, because you had a desire to do my will. And so many behind you, you spoke into their lives. You said what need to be said and you lived an example before them that they were one to Christ. And because of them, they won. I want a pyramid scheme. I want to be part of a pyramid scheme. This is the only pyramid scheme I want to be a part of. Whereas I live and talk and act like I know Christ because I do. And then the people behind me live and act and walk and know Christ like they do. And then the people but they touch know and live and know Christ like they do. And we keep spreading this thing out that we can touch and tell everybody about the good news of Christ. See, I'm not, I have no aspiration for power and authority. None. Because it serves no purpose. I think God put me in the position he did based on the fact that, listen, in the military service, I rose to the highest grade there was as an E-9. And it humbled me as an E-9, as a chief master sergeant in the Air Force. It humbled me of the responsibility. And I had to realize that how I treated people, it had an effect on them. What I said had an effect on them. So I treated everybody the way I wanted to be treated. See, Daniel chose God and many others throughout the Bible consistently chose God. I need you to evaluate yourselves today and look at the evidence of your own actions to confirm what or whom you are committed to. Let me leave you with this. Romans 12 and 2. I preach a message out of here called what is your reasonable service? I may do it one Sunday here. It says. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be he transformed, changed by the entire renewing of your mind, by his new ideal and his new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the things which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. It is our time as Christians living in the world that we live in with COVID, with political uncertainty, with racial disparity, with economic disparity, with all the things that's going on. It is our time as Christians to be the standard keepers. 
we have to be consistent. They have to see us 24 hours a day, seven days a week in prayer, doing things and living things and walking things out in God. If we don't do that, what we will do is cause more chaos in a world that is already chaotic. We are the ones that provide the light. Let them in their darkness, let the light in you expose the darkness in them that they may seek the light that God has put in you. It's time for us to be fully committed, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Let's go before in prayer. Father, we just thank and praise you. We give you all the honor and glory, Lord God. We commit ourselves to you. Fully commit ourselves to you, Lord God. We no longer will play both sides of the fence. Today, Lord God, we will stay committed to you. Not to finances, not to money, not to people, not to cars, the houses, not to aspirations. But we'll stay committed to you and your will and your way, Lord God. We will study your word to become more like you. We will do the definition of Christianity, which means to be Christ-like. Lord, forgive us, Lord God, for sometimes going astray. Forgive us sometimes, Lord God, for losing sight of what's really important. Forgive us, Lord God, for the times that we have been in an adulterous relationship with you. Forgive us and cleanse us, Lord God, this day, Lord God, that we can line ourselves up and get ourselves back right with you and seek your face, your knowledge, and your relationship. Lord, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice, Lord God, for those that are hurting, those that had deaths in the family, Lord God, that you heal them, that you give them the peace, Lord God, to know, Lord God, that all things are working for your good and that you understand more than they may understand why you had to take their loved one. Bless those, Lord God, that remain, Lord God, that through the death of their loved one, they will receive Jesus Christ. Lord, anybody that is sick and that is hurting, Lord God, I thank and I praise you for total and complete healing. Lord God, I thank you for touching their bodies, whether they be in the hospital or be at home, Lord God. Heal them from the bottom of their souls, Lord God, to the top of their heads, Lord God. Let them and everything in them, Lord God, turn, Lord God, the way you would have it to turn and every tissue and every organ line up with your word and your will, Father, in the name of Jesus. We commit them to you. Anybody having mental distress, Lord God, ease and calm their mind, Lord God. Let them be anxious for nothing, Lord God, but let through prayer and supplication, let their petition for peace be known, Lord God, and that you give them the peace that passes all understanding. Father, I just give you the honor and glory for all that you've done and for all that you continue to do and all that you will do. And I thank you for the promises that you've set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, God bless you, John 14 and 6. If you don't know Jesus, look here. I'm telling you right now, this is a perfect opportunity and time to know Jesus. This ain't a political thing. This is about knowing the Heavenly Father. This is about knowing someone that can save your life and change your life. This is about eternal security. I mean, we can have you can have financial security. Yes, you can. But eternal security is so much greater because I cannot take a dime or a dollar with me. But what I can do, I can take when I die, when I close my eyes, I can wake up on the other side and have eternal security and live through Christ. I'm giving you that opportunity today. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know my friend, this is the perfect opportunity for you to get to know who he is. Look, it talks about in John 14 and 6 that it says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh to the father, but through the son. Jesus is our way in. He died on a cross, right? He came and lived as a man. And then he went through every temptation and he never sinned. And he died on a cross. He allowed them to, to torture him and punish him and put him on a cross. He gave up the ghost. He died and he rose again in three days that you and I will be back in relationship with God just like Adam was in Genesis. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth 
the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. As if for the mouth man believes into righteousness and with the heart, with the mouth, his confession is made into salvation. All you have to do is confess and believe. It's no magical trick to this. You ain't got to give a dollar for it. You ain't got to give your car for it or your house for it or commit anything other than your life to God. So today, if you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please bow your heads and <clears throat> repeat after me. <clears throat> Father God, I'm a sinner in need of your forgiveness. Lord, I ask you to come into my life, to save me and change me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were God's son. And I believe you rose again for me, that I might have relationship with the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, offering, please, 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 if you would like to give an offering, a donation, or tithes, please visit www.wotm.net. WOTM.net. Who you with? WOTM.net. And we thank you for all your support for building the kingdom of God and the Lord and helping us to do the things that God has called us to do. Listen, we don't do this and we don't take this lightly at all. We, we do this unto God. And we have uh, we trust God for every step that we make. We don't want to ever get outside the will of God. And even as members or people that participate on Facebook or people that participate in our services, as we open this building that's coming up, what we want to tell you is this. If you ever see us getting out of whack, you let us know that our mission and our vision has changed. And if God has given a different mission and vision, we'll put it out there. But it will never be just about money. It will never be about just finances. It will never be about prestige or health. It will always be a balanced approach to the word of God. We believe in every word from Genesis to Revelation. We don't just say just because God don't give us or God ain't talked about this or we don't see this or we don't understand this. We study it all to get the understanding so we can teach it all. We, we, we want to be the theologically sound when we teach the word of God to every person that is hearing the word from our mouths. So again, like last week, we had uh, Minister Richard up here. He did his thing. I know who I is, who you is, your identity. You need to know who you are in Christ. See, if you know who you are in Christ, you can walk this thing out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm just telling you now, we love you, God. Thank you.